0: Welcome to the Hear It podcast. I'm your host Rebecca Roberts, and each week we're going to be speaking to different guests about their take on how to engage a youth audience. I really hope you like it. Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Hear It podcast. Now we're moving on to talk about a new theme this week, and we're going to start talking about Um, health messaging and behaviour change with youth audiences. So we're starting off with perhaps the toughest one, which is sexual health, and we're really lucky to have Leanne Hughes from NHS Lothian. Here's what she had to say. Hi Leanne, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having
1: me. You're uh, actually taking my podcast virginity, so uh, thanks for having me along.
0: That's very apt considering the area you work in, which we'll get to in a moment, but um, tell us a little bit about your career and how you landed working with the NHS in Scotland. I've
1: been working there for 15 years, so there wasn't much of a a career before that, if I'm honest. I, I went to Sheffield Uni and did a media and film and communications degree many, many moons ago. I went to travel in, um, in Australia and New Zealand and then had a few crap jobs. And then I actually then put my degree to work, working for sexual health at NHS for particularly for young people and communications
0: around that, and I've been there ever since. We're talking about behaviour change, but I guess sexual health is one of those like more challenging subjects, particularly to engaging people. Tell us a bit more about some of the campaigns you've worked on.
1: Yeah, I think that, I always say this, but a com- if you combine a young person audience, which is tough as it is, and then you chuck sexual health into the mix, you've pretty much probably got the hardest nut you can possibly try to crack. Um, So our work is very much targeting young, it's it's early intervention work for for our team and what we do. And in our case, it's mainly targeted at 13 to 18 year olds. So some of the work that I've been involved in um, is connected a lot to do with directing young people to services and making sure they know where they are and how to come making video content so that they're welcomed in we and I understand that it's just a big scary subject for young people and our work is very much centred around normalising what it is and making sure they know that the staff are really cool and they're really welcoming, they've seen everything, they've heard everything, they have got a right to the service, they've got a right to confidentiality and that they're going to be looked after if they do come in. And this, I was looking back today at something There was a memory on my Facebook about um, some work I did for abortion and um, campaign work and That was probably one of the things that I'm most proud of. That was a piece of an animation that just explained to all ages, really, and all sexes, that what's involved when you do come to the service, what your choices are. But created with a content and a creative that was very gentle and very welcoming to the service and non-judgmental, here are the facts and this is what you need to know. That was actually tied to a randomized control trial. We did versions of it for Sweden and for France and for Portugal at the time, uh, as well as a Scottish one. Um, and it actually came out as just as effective as a face-to-face consultation. In the research for that, which I, you know, for me, when I
0: when you create clinical-based
1: information, that's what you want, really. Do you think it's like a
0: power issue more than anything? Getting information from older people—it's almost like this power challenge—and going somewhere outside of, I guess their home and it's quite a, a scary step for them isn't it so it's probably a big part of your information like the content you create is making it easier and, and less scary.
1: Underneath all of my work and I think everything I've ever done in a subject it needs to be emphatic to young people even as they enter into our building you know we're always reminding our receptionists how it feels for a young person to enter the building the courage it takes for them to actually approach a subject which is really private it's constantly reminding them that really that we see them as responsible young adults and everything that we do is in that vein really very much um, harm reduction approach to everything that we do come in get help come see us I hope that that theme and that approach is always um, weaved through the content because that's how we want them to feel when that when they do actually access the services or, or see any of the
0: content yeah and we always talk about um data informing our approach but being such a key part of how you plan and think through your campaigns isn't it you and
1: I sort of link a lot on youth youth data I think and share a lot of that and what's current Yeah, <laughs> that's true really and we have to have a look at what they're saying so I look at current data the one that i really like is the health behavior in school-aged children because we get a scottish version of that in scotland um and that's really helpful because you can you can drill down onto a lot of information that will inform campaign work in there there we i look at like scottish children parliaments reports and information because it's current and it's asking the young people who live round about us um what's going on for them and um, lots of other things, ditch the label, Ofcom, and we we as a team work with academics in the field a lot to help us really have a driven a, a data-driven approach to the work. And then, you know, it's quite difficult sometimes working for the NHS because evaluation and monitoring and measurement can be quite tricky system-wise. So we do that's an area of work that I'm always striving to do better, get beyond reach, get beyond um, the numbers and the metrics but and get to the so what and how did that change how did that make you feel and look at these kind of measurements within our own data as well that's, that's an area that I push push all the time at the moment in terms of whether we can see if it has made an actual difference
0: to what they know, what they've learned and how they feel. What people say and what they do is different as well. So that can be really difficult to actually get to the crux of it, isn't it? 100% with sexual health. If you get a straight answer, I mean, you're doing well. We've talked on other episodes about lockdown messaging and it's had like a pretty mixed review They've had quite a lot of conflicting stuff, so return to education, but remain alert, don't kill your granny, eat out to help out, that kind of stuff. Uh, and they've also then been blamed quite a lot in the media. But you've got a few lo- localized campaign activity that you've done, haven't you? Yeah, we um so back in the deepest, darkest of lockdowns,
1: we we knew that we weren't seeing young people. I mean, obviously we didn't have a cl- we didn't have a clinical response that we, we do in normal times and still don't we're still in recovery or, or start in recovery a wee bit. Um, and we knew that for young people, them understanding what an essential service in the government rhetoric would be really difficult for them to n- um, navigate through that. You know, so back in sort mm-hmm. of April, service leads were just saying, where are young people? We're not seeing them. They're not contacting us. We put up near me clinics for video chats. They didn't want to know about near me. They just wouldn't sort of engage with near me, um, which is online video uh, consultations so we just um we always work a lot of us in scotland work across board and so we created a localized campaign to drive young people to services which was held on our nhs inform site which is our national nhs website in scotland just again to reassure them a they weren't going to get in trouble at the time they were being told you mustn't meet up we were in when the absolute crap of the lockdown measures and for young people in terms of um whether or not they could actually see each other we knew we were knew through the youth workers and the networks that we work with that young people were still meeting each other we knew that they'd be maybe taking risks because are not you know protected in the same way they won't be getting supplies to condoms possibly they might have unintended pregnancy they might have a SFDI tests that they need to be taken so we just did a localised messaging campaign that we put on Snapchat um, which performed really well was just making sure that they got a message which sort of cut through a little bit of the other messaging about not meeting up and just reiterating that they did have a right to the service and that they wouldn't be in trouble if they did come and that if they needed to be seen and they they were in trouble or they felt that there was something they to discuss with us, not to wait really and to come and that they were essential. They were essential as young people, as our service users and that we were there for them. So that was a nice piece of work at the time because, as you say, they were getting it tight. They were, you know, the, the messaging for young people at that time and we are younger than the sort of uni student age generally, but it's for them as well, you know, 13 to 18 um, and it was really nice piece of work to just cut through that messaging and just say to them, we're here for you. Come, if you need us, come. That piece of work was very much just to encourage them that they wouldn't be judged, they wouldn't be in trouble if they had met up. It's confidential service and that we would support them.
0: Yeah, I guess you're up against it anyway for young people to use services, let alone with this kind of. I guess if there's gaps to fill or there's any reason why not to come, they kind of put it off. So, yeah, that's an interesting that you use Snapchat as well. So, did you just like target geographically target content and adverts at young people?
1: Yeah, we placed it on Snapchat. We because we don't have a natural sort of organic output. I mean, we can use our own we can use our own platforms and our own accounts for that, but my my feeling is always that we need to go to where they are we've just rerun it on youtube actually um just before christmas and it worked really well on snapchat we had quite a high engagement in terms of what happened with them swiping up and then going to the nhs inform website for the call to action to find the, their local service and then on the nhs inform website then they get a bit more information as to you know what what they might need to know before they come So yeah, it was quite um, a small piece of work, but the the main thing about that was that that went out across all of Scotland, so every health board could use that, so for people who were very remote, they had access to that, and then we could signpost um, across, and that's probably the first time that we've done that nationally, for our subject anyway.
0: So I guess, well, a lot of people listening will talk about behaviour change in young people, and they they want to have those advice points what would be your top piece of advice for people wanting to engage that youth audience to influence behavior change
1: you've got to ask them as my <laughs> that would be my top bit of advice you must ask them you must whenever you're developing the content and you, you cannot do it halfway through you, you involve them in a co-production at the start of a, of a, of a process and then you set your stall out in terms of how how far you can take their views. I think it's really important to control that because you've got a communication objective at the end of the day that you need to meet. So your boundaries around what you can take and what you have to leave have to be set out really clearly so that everyone's respected and their time is respected. Pay them in some shape or form. Make sure that their time is accounted for. I think that's a really important thing that we that we can do a lot in terms of co-production is ask and ask and then not give them anything but. Yeah, so you've got to draw a line professionally sometimes. I've worked with um LGBT youth um audience and community in real co-production work models over the years for content which is relatable for them, but they've they've helped me to write them, they've tested them and that would be my my second thing to say really my my top tip if you like. Test, 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 and just make sure that you ask a lot of questions of the the audience. Don't assume anything. Remember that you're not cool, and they are, and they know. I like to use appropriate humor to lighten my subject because, you know, it it can feel heavy. And I think the other thing is just to be respectful in what you're actually creating. I always feel if you create something that they can see is really high production and speaks to them, They'll engage because they'll recognise that. They'll recognise that you've taken the time to create something for them that they want to watch and they want to engage, you know, that you're not talking at them, talk, you're talking with them. So they would be my main sort of points of advice, I think, for engaging a
0: youth audience. is just chat to them, you know, ask them, it's for them. They know, you don't. talk before about that balance because you want to look cool and relevant but then also if, who you are representing is also important so it's like we've, we've talked about that whole like assembly thing where you're in an assembly at school and yeah. you think it's in sort of play and they're at a, they're a <laughs> club or something like this is really cool and they're like hey yeah this is cool do you know who else is cool jesus and then you're like oh my god like i've been tricked into thinking you've created something cool and it's that balance because I've done it you know, in higher education. It's like, well, they still expect you to speak. like They're going to pay you a lot of money to come and study. They want you to be an institution. NHS it it's just such a balance. So your humour. Tell us about that one campaign you've done with the giant penis running around. My Where's Willie campaign is
1: my son, my 13-year-old son's like most embarrassing moment of his life that I've created this campaign. So I think that's a perfect example of it really is that so that was for online um, condom provision. So I worked with an agency called Alive of Ideas, who are absolutely wonderful and full of fun. Um, and and sort of just briefing that job was the best ever because we had to talk about size of willies and how to draw animated willies, and it was it was just a scream from start to finish, to be honest. But the point of it is really is that we had an animated Willie running around the streets of edinburgh um with messaging about being protected and but with the hue you know it's just getting the humor right and at the end he does a wee floss which was current at the time i'm not sure if we're now out of date with a floss but i still love it i still stand by it um and th- that's about it really it's about just being on the right side of cheeky making something that is engaging but gets the point across and makes them want to click through to actually get free condoms online. And I think if you do that, you're halfway there, really. And I always try to get that level of engagement and humour right. I'm sure I don't get it right all the time, but you've got to have a bit of tongue in cheek in this world because, you know, it's life. And I think I said, you know, at the top of this, it's about for us, it's about normalising this. All the information we do, we, we train teachers in our schools to uh, provide the, it's called RSHP in Scotland, so our relationships, sexual health, uh, parenthood education, all our training is for teachers and so it's just another layer of work really about breaking down the stigma and the barriers and trying to be a bit more Swedish, you know, at the end of the day and not so British or Scottish or, um, you know, this is life, this is normal for all of these folk. And trying to break down that
0: embarrassment um, is a good way of starting a conversation and and getting them the help that they need. And is there a brand or organisation or particular campaign that springs to mind that you think does a really good job at engaging children or young people? I really love See Me Scotland,
1: their mental health work um, in Scotland. I just really love the tone and the the visual creative content of, of their campaign work. It's really beautiful. And I think it's emphatic in terms of what's happening for young people, especially now. We know that the mental health for young people over COVID has just been just horrendous in a lot of cases. And they're so isolated and my heart goes out to them, to be honest. But See Me Scotland as someone, is, is a body of work I've followed for a long time that I just really love. I think they get it really right. And for fun, I love Iron Brew. It's a big sort of part of Scottish culture. To have the ginger um, leaf agency are pretty awesome, and when that comes on the telly at Christmas time, if we get Iron Bruce Snowman version of the advert, it's pretty much it's on. So I like Iron Bruce. Not for young people, it's for everyone, but young people love it.
0: Are there any podcast books or newsletters you'd recommend that we check out that you enjoy?
1: Well, this year for me in lockdown has been a lot about really looking into the world of behavioural insights and science and change or whatever you want to call it. It's called everything. So there's um, Lin Pia and Shaeoni Lin who um, has worked with me a little bit um, mentoring me around this subject because I'm really interested in how you use behavioural insights to start your campaign work and, and for it to, to help actually in communications, looking at this as the as theory Um, for that so she's doing a newsletter uh, under lynn pr and i'd recommend checking that out if you're interested in behavioral change and science and i really like andy green he does um something called dublin conversations he's about transformative transformative comms and he's really worth a follow he's doing some really interesting work around um change for good in terms of communications i really like i really like his work what else? Um, I'm I'm in, <clears throat> knees deep really in accessibility stuff at the moment because I'm rebuilding a website and we're having to have a look at that. I really like I've been reading Content Design by Sarah Richards, which is the bible of all things, <laughs> pub of <laughs> plain English, and uh, that's exciting. Um, yeah, and for fun or for myself, not workwise, there's a guy called Brett Moran who's in Thailand and does a morning meditation to which everybody I would recommend um, sitting listening to the to the noises of the sea and
0: Thailand um, for half an hour in the morning to chill. I'll check that out in fact we've got um, Shoni Lynn coming on the next episode oh thanks so much for your time so it's been brilliant chatting to you. Thanks so much. That's it for episode 17. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Leanne there. Next week, as I mentioned, we've got Shayony Lynn coming in, and we're on the topic of behaviour, change, and youth audiences, and it's a really interesting one.